speaking of Academy Awards, the le- the man, the myth, the legend, Nicholas Kim Cage. So he has a cool movie coming out that we saw that trailer for. Is his name really Kim? Is that a, that's his that middle is, name? That is his middle name. Yep. That's a shoot. That is a shoot. Nicholas Kim Cage. Uh, he has a new movie coming out that we think is going to relaunch him. He's going to have a relaunching of his career. I mean, everyone knows of him, and he's still making films. But I guess this will make him mainstream again. I mean, he is kind of mainstream, but sort of as a, he's mainstream as sort of an underground character, I guess you could say, or an ironic character. Yeah, this is this. I feel like this is going to be the the 20s version of being John Malkovich, where everybody was just like, it, it was very, remember, that was very meta, brought Malkovich back into, this is going to be the Nick Cage of, uh, effect with the unbearable weight of massive talent. Okay, yeah, so I texted you about this. That new trailer for that movie is fantastic. Oh, it's great. That's it hit get, everything. That's going to get the folks in the theater. That's going to sell some tickets. Because I, I think it's like a little, it, it's... I thought it was like a small indie movie, and this movie makes it look like it's a high-budget, high-concept comedy that you would see Jim Carrey in or something like that. Well, they got Pedro Pascal, right? They got The Mandalorian. Shout out to Pedro Pascal. Yeah, they got him. I mean, it's it's going to be, and they got uh, Tiffany Haddish, so you're going to have the comedy in there. I don't know. It's just It felt like it was just casted so well, and the the chemistry between Nicolas Cage and Pascal in the trailer alone, made you want to go see it. Yeah, and I wish we could play the trailer here without getting shut down because we I would like to watch it again. will get shut down. <laughs> Thank you, Steven Seagal. The, the rumors are true. He's an asshole. It's true. It's true. Are we the f- we, we can't be the first podcast to get a copyright notice from Steven Seagal. From, no, and we won't be the last. Yeah. But anyway. The st- and like the Steven Seagal copyright thing comes with like an arm bar. <laughs> you get thrown into a table <laughs> just put you through a table yeah him and his uh his doctor strange goatee or as people are calling it now face mullets that's a thing face yeah, mullet face uh, if you have a goatee it's a face mullet wait are goatees bad is that what we're saying yeah i think that's what they're saying goatees are bad what what i don't know how that happened but it did happen but it, it maybe it can come back back around because maybe it's like if you're thinking about how it carries food around, maybe it's a fanny pack for your face. It's like a yeah, it's like a face broom, a face broom, <laughs> cookie crumb catcher. So I feel like my my hat keeps doing something weird. Oh, okay. Anyway, you're very matchy today. Good job on coordinating. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Colors. I went with the DC EU. And I went with the the Zack Snyder version, so you can get the the black suit in there. So, but yeah, so the unbearable weight. You want to? Yeah, let's dig right in. We already we already got Cage on the brain. Well, when did we not have Cage on the brain? I saw a great shirt, and it was actually during like a talk. It was like a TED talk, and they were talking about like you know I'm always watching the stuff about you know simulation theory and stuff, and I don't know. He was wearing a shirt that said. John Travolta, but it was a picture of Nicolas Cage. I saw that too. That was in the Adam Project. That was it. it. Was oh yeah. Oh, so it was a, <laughs> so it was a fake TED Talk done by Adam uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, Mark Ruffalo. Father Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jeff. You're gonna pretend you don't know me, even though you bought drinks, pretending you're me. Good job. 
That's a sweet Mark Ruffalo impression. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that shirt too. I'd like to get that. Yeah, that was uh, exactly. I wanted to go on like Fright Rags or wherever you can get that type of shirt. But yeah, it was really cool. But anyway, that's how we remember. I mean, he kind of went through some different phases, right? We, every, you know, especially you and I, we were introduced to him through Fast Times at Richmond High. At I don't. All, th- I was uh, not introduced of- to him on Fast Times. No, I know you don't remember him. Was that he was at All American Burger, right? He was he one was, of the cooks. He, I mean, he's in it, and he has um, he has small like little. He doesn't even have a line in that. Movie. No, he doesn't. He just looks up from the burger fry, uh, the burger flipper spot. But I guess maybe it's not. We didn't know that we were looking at a legend until later when they came back, and you're like, you know, Nick Cage was in Fast Times, and you're like, oh crap, and then you went back. And there he was. No, it was like one of those cameos, like when you go go back and watch Breaking, yeah. and you see uh, Jean Claude Van Damme dancing on the beach. Right, <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I think the first thing I can remember him actively being in that I really liked was Raising Arizona. Oh yes, yeah that that trailer. Somebody was talking about that. That was like one of the the perfect movies, kind of like for that era that it just really stuck with it. And all I remember is him going to double axe handle being the wrestler, somebody, and then scraping his knuckles against the stucco ceiling. That was hilarious. That really just sticks with me. But yeah. Hey, uh, JJ's online. What's up? JJ, what's up? So yeah, we're queso catcher. Yeah, there we go. We're, so we're on the, uh, the face, the ill face mallet. But yeah, so I guess... I don't remember. I remember watching. So after Fast Times, he was in Valley Girl. We knew that. That was one of the boxes that I got to admit, I walked by and I didn't watch it and I like knew of it. He was on the box there. He was in Rumblefish, which I didn't know. Podcats making an appearance. Yeah, there she is. I told you. It's the planets. Here, there's our, that's going to be our, our thumbnail. Yeah, there you go. Perfect thumbnail. That'll get clicks. But yeah, I, you know what? To this day, I have not seen Valley Girl. Okay, so it's not, I, I feel bad. It's, so it's not just me. I was listening to the podcast you sent me, which I didn't realize it was the Shutter podcast uh, when, when Quentin Tarantino was on there. And they were just basically talking about how, you know, with Eli Roth, you have those movies that you're embarrassed to say you didn't watch when you're known for being film guys. And they said they lied all the time. Like, Oh yeah, I saw that even though they didn't say that. And they would do that for really big movies. You just have to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want somebody to be like, Oh what? Yeah, exactly. And that's what they said. They don't want to happen. So they just pretend. And I think that would be Valley girl. So yeah, you're right. I mean, he was in all this other stuff, Rumblefish, which I thought was a sequel to The Outsiders for the longest time. No, they just shot it with the same crew and the same sets and Everything. the same actors. So it looked pretty much the same. It could be no Rumble without me again. Nope, it's not a sequel. Uh, Cotton Club, I didn't know he was in that. Birdie Boy. No, I did. He was in Cotton Club? Yeah, he was in Cotton Club. He was Vincent Dwyer. Uh, this was 84, Birdie Boy in Blue. Peggy Sue got married. So you're right, 87, Raising Arizona was pretty much his, would be considered his bigger role where he really got noticed now you know what his real last name is right coppola and he's a nephew of a certain director named coppola as well yes but he he did he made the conscious effort to hide that right i thought that's why he went with the name change no yeah for sure he was one of those like he's the bron breaker of 80s hollywood like i'm not going to tell you my last name steiner i'm going to make it on my own and I guess you can say he's right, but then it just became 
a cool footnote to know that he was actually a Coppola. Those first, those early roles, I think, before Raising Arizona were mostly cameos. Yeah. It seemed like. And he's, you know what? He's got kind of a character actor vibe. He doesn't seem like someone who would become a leading man. No. Well, it was just something about, let's see if we want to get that monster sponsorship with the cat. But you're you're right. He had that look that Gene Simmons was talking about this, you know, from Kiss, that he's like, there's something about these these singing shows, the talent shows, their voices are too good. Where back then you're just looking for somebody who could perform and it had a very distinct voice, not the best voice, but a voice. And I think that was kind of what was happening with actors too. It's like, look, we don't need you to look perfect we just need you to have a presence well you know if you if you think about it a lot of folks that look good oh can you get what we got oh she she just sneaking her tail under there (laughs) a lot of folks that like photograph really well look strange in real life yeah you know they've got like odd features that just photograph really well yeah and nick cage i don't think he has a traditionally uh i mean i guess he looks like a star now but isn't that just because we're used to his face I think yeah, where you because like I don't think this you you see this face and immediately think that's that's a movie star. No, right? He's got kind of a average Joe face. You know what I mean? I agree. I think it was just like again, he was just that he had that, but he still had something that people were willing to take. And I don't know, maybe it's some behind the scenes stuff happens, right? Like when he's on set, you know, obviously he really gets into his craft, the art, if you will acting so maybe that's something to it and then maybe you just basically impose your will on the simulation that like no i am a movie star jedi mind trick the whole world it could it could very well be but yeah after that you still hear me okay right i hear you i I just for some reason i my cups did that thing they did last is it doing it again because i replaced it all right never mind but no i got some i gotta fix something's going wrong over there so all good i can hear you so so after, you know, he did Raising Arizona, and then let's see if, I, let's do a little movie. We're going to do a quick, we haven't done. I got the IMDb pulled up as well. I'll follow along. Okay, but you haven't done, we haven't done movie trivia in a long time. So I'm going to just, I'm going to act it out. Remember, we used to do act it out. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Snap out of it! Moonstruck. Moonstruck, exactly. So I feel like that's when he, you know, between Raising Arizona and, Van, and uh, Moonstruck, that's when people really start, okay, this guy is serious. Because that was like an Oscar movie. Those Moonstruck. were Oscar movies, right? And I think at that time. I don't time, think Raising Arizona won anything, but Moonstruck was definitely an Oscar movie. Yeah. We didn't share one, didn't she? Cher I believe won, she yeah. won. If she could turn back time. I'm not going to let us get unmonetized for that. But yeah, then he was in a couple movies after that. You thought, okay, this guy is really going to be going for it. But he, listen to this after this. So 87 Moon, Moonstruck. We go into Vampire's Kiss, Never on Tuesday, Time to Kill. Never on Tuesday? What is that? Man in Red Sports Car, direct-to-video, uncredited cameo. <laughs> oh, here's the, here's the breakdown. After their cars collide on a desert highway in the middle of nowhere, two friends and a woman they both like must wait for someone to pass by and help them. Unfortunately, those who do not stop turn out to be... Those who do stop turn out to be criminals. <laughs> Eccentrics or wackos, directed by Adam Rifkin. Yeah, and and he was uncredited in that. Uh, 
okay, your light's too bright. It's driving me crazy. Just oh. vamp for 10 seconds. Oh, I was just actually replying because we had uh, over the river and through the woods. Put the kitty back in the pod cast. Con hairs. <laughs> no, we definitely, we're, we're a fan of podcast, podcast cameos for sure. She actually, you coming back? She's thinking about it. She may be back. I don't know if the, maybe the, uh, the smell of the energy drink. She's like, I don't need energy. I'm a cat. But yeah, so we had Time to Kill, and then we had Wild at Heart, Firebirds. Did you, are you a fan of Wild at Heart? Yeah, I remember liking it. I, don't, I mean, I don't remember revisiting it numerous times. You like Dave, David Lynch films? That's a David Lynch. It's wild. Sometimes. It's crazy. Sometimes. <laughs> I love, I can listen to him talk about like consciousness and transcendental meditation on YouTube all day. But some of his stuff, sometimes it misses me. Yeah, I mean it's pretty wacky. Yeah, so it just it has What's up, to, Fulton? Yeah, it, it just has to it just depends. But then we got into okay, this is when he's going for the Oscar because I don't know oh Zandali was direct to video. Man, he was taking some work. What about Firebirds? I remember that was Firebirds, a big that was a big yeah. dollar theater movie. That was, yeah. I saw that trailer so many times, but I never saw the actual film. But I think it was around the t- there was a time in the eighties, kids, where basically everything was about attack helicopters. Yeah, <laughs> everything was about attack helicopters for at least five years. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about this. Everybody. Well, attack, attack planes and everything. Just the military attack flight vehicles. What about? I mean, Roy Schreider, right? Uh, yeah, our, Blue our Thunder. Yeah. Shows. yeah, that was like Knight Rider, but with like a helicopter, right? It was like Airwolf, but on the big Airwolf, screen. Airwolf. That was the other one. So yeah. Sorry, we went down that dirt road. But then there was like, did you? There was one with uh, Clint Eastwood, like Firefox. Yeah, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Everything was just about a flying something. Yeah, there was that was that was big. That was obviously we got the Top Gun sequel, but that was also eighty-seven. But yeah, it was about flying. Except James Garner, who did Tank. I think that was like eighty-eight, right? Tank. Yeah, okay. Yes. Well, we could do a whole show on Tank, but let's not, not sidetrack there. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so it wasn't until 1992, after Firebirds, after Zandali, Honeymoon in Vegas. That's when I think that was this was like the thickness of Nick Cage, we're, we're going for the Oscar. And I was he nominated? For Honeymoon in Vegas? No, yeah. that's like a wacky comedy. You're thinking of leaving Las Vegas. Yes, I'm thinking of leaving. Oh, my God. I need to double back to to raising Arizona. A yeah, yeah, go back because go back. I think that if that movie had not happened and him not be in it, he would not be Nicolas Cage now. Because I don't, I don't think we'd have to look it up. I, I want to. I assume that movie didn't do that well at the box office. No, well, I mean it was considered an independent film, like right. so, which, and back then that really didn't really translate to anything at the box office. That was very lit. It's just like, you know, you were going to get a limited release. You're going to watch it on VH. But it had very, everything about it was memorable. It, no, it's the perfect it movie. Was Co- yeah, it was Cohen's. I mean, You're it underselling Cohen. it. It is the perfect movie. Yeah. Like that, I agree. If, if there's ever a film that's perfect, it's that movie. Well, I mean, budget was $5.5 million and it made $30 million at the box office. So that's, that's I mean, 1987. That's a hit, yeah. So that's a hit. Yeah, that's, that's a, a hit. But I think that really, because... And it's crazy. He never did another another Coen Brothers movie because I think that his quirky acting style elevated that movie so much. Yeah, you know? I 100% agree with that. 
I mean, and Holly Hunter's great. Everybody's great in that movie. But him as the lead, why did he never do another Coen Brothers movie? That is, yeah, that's the million-dollar question because that's like right up their alley. It's time to do one now. Yeah. The Cage. This is the third. This Okay, and like I was going to call this segment. I wrote it down on the thing. The the third age of Nick Cage. The third age of Cage. The third like, age of Cage. I like that. Yeah, there it is. That's going to be the title. So on that. currently, we're in the first the first age of Cage is what you're going over right yeah, now. Yeah, we're yeah exactly. We're going over the other. But you're right. He made. I mean, just seeing him on that box art was great. Did you know Barry Sonnenfeld did the cinema was the cinematographer on that? Yep. He did a lot of cinematography in the in the early '90s, late '80s. Wow, I had no yeah. idea. He's a, yeah. Him and also Jan de Bont, but that's a whole other nerdy discussion. But yeah, he was a he was a great cinematographer for a while before he became a director. Oh wow, did not know that. That is cool stuff. But yeah, I I I again I, I was just listening to another podcast and they said for, for that time, that's when people consider that the classics that you look back on. For sure, like independent, classic, powerful performances. And like you said, the it could be the perfect movie. I I can hear it in my head. I hear the I hear it in my head. That sequence where he goes to get Pampers. Oh, yeah. Is just one of the, like, they should show that to kids in film school and then fucking kick them out. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the only thing they need to see. Yeah, it's like, you're done. Go back into the wild. No, it's funny you say that. And two, it wasn't, I guess it's an age thing, but there was somebody, do you remember? It was like five, five years ago in our other, our other video life, uh, we had... Uh, the Halloween contest, and somebody actually who just had a baby brought in their baby, and they went as Nick Cage. They and uh, his wife dressed up as Holly Hunter with the uh, the the police costume, and then they carried the real baby, and they won for like we're raising Arizona. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember that costume. Yeah, at shout out, and it won. So I mean, it, it translated. Like there were some people that might not have got it, but the film, the film fiends, if you will, they got it. Wow, no, I missed that. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good costume. All right, so we jumped to... And yeah, I'm sorry. I did mix up <laughs> in Vegas and leaving Las but Vegas. But here's the thing about the first age of Nick Cage is we have mostly cameos. He had Raising Arizona, which is the greatest film of all time, probably. And then he's got Wild at Heart with David Lynch, which is... Um, you, if you If it's not your jam, it's not your jam. But it's my jam, and I think it's awesome. But um, a lot of it is is just cameos and things that didn't really take off all that well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so from from honeymoon in Vegas, he's got like Amos and Andrew, which was like I think he was a that was like a comedy where he's handcuffed to Sam Jackson. Yep. And then guarding Tess, where he's guarding the first lady. A bunch of dollar theater stuff. And if you if you know you know you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Dollar theater stuff. It could happen to you, which is a really nice movie. Where he wins the lotto. Have you seen that? One? Oh yes, I do remember that. Ninety. That was, yeah, that was ninety four. And then he had uh, let's see, Trapped in Paradise, which I really think should be re- revisited as a Christmas classic. Maybe you could call into Central Ice Lib TV and, <laughs> and ask them to play, play that it. one day instead of uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers. Oh my God, I forgot about that with John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. It's really good. It's oh, really good. Wow. I don't know why it just kind of came and went. It's a it's it's real. It's a really great movie. I mean, again, he just his body of work is pretty incredible. When you go through here, what did you say? A hundred films? Yeah, easily. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of scrolling, but it's strange. So this first block, would you argue that the first Age of Cage ended with leaving Las Vegas in nineteen ninety five? So that took us from about eighty two Fast Times right to 
95, Kiss of Death, and Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas was the transitional point. That was the, the, end, the end of, of the first age of Cage. Because obviously the next three films are classics. No, more than three. Well, I just meant like right out of the gate, back to back. Just think, when we go in 96, he did The Rock. And then 97, he did Con Air and Face Off. And I remember the excitement for Con Air and Face Off. I remember the excitement. And that Face Off is when Travolta was coming into a new age, right? That was a little bit after Pulp Fiction. Yeah. So I just remember, like... That was, those were first day viewings for me. And just think, those were three in a row. Three, what we would probably call required view, viewing, right? Were you a leaving Las Vegas uh, fan? That was the one that? that I felt like he was going for at the he time. He won the I Oscar wasn't. for that one. He did win. Yeah. Okay. That one I remember being like sad and depressing, and I had nothing against his performance. It's just like at that time for where I was, I was ready for the next age of Cage. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that movie. I had read the book for some weird reason. I don't read a lot of books. Someone told me I had heard about it, and then I saw the movie, and Nick Cage was great. It's a great movie. But the thing that's crazy is he he does that movie where he plays an alcoholic, wins the Oscar, right? Yep. And then leans into what? Hardcore action films. Yeah. Big budget action films. Oh, yeah. Like he, he utilized that. He's like, okay, I made it. I'm a star. And he was front and center. Yeah. He was front and center on all three. And think of this. Those three movies that we just, The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. We need to talking, dive into each of those uh, specifically. Specifically. Though. Because we're talking, what, 20 years later? Is it 20 years? I can't. I, I can't do math. More than 20. Yeah. But think, they transcend time and space because you, you can pull clips, GIFs, and sound bites from all three of those movies that st- are still relevant to this day. The picture you pulled up, that's probably the most popular GIF that's out there when you're just like, somebody's like, chill, relax. I mean, you know that picture. I mean, and that, that was, you know, obviously that was Con Air. So what do you think about the theory that The Rock, which The Rock is good. Um, it's in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, it's one of those action films that sort of like set the tone for most of the action films after it. But what do you think of the theory that uh, um, what was it? Uh, Sean Connery's character is actually James Bond. Oh, I never, you know, I never, I never heard that. So apparently, there's a, there's a theory that Sean Connery is essentially playing James Bond older. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, now you want to watch The Rock, right? Yeah, no, I hundred percent want to watch The Rock. Wow, I had no idea. I mean, I I just remember again at that time loving loving that movie, and I lined up for all for all of them. But yeah, for sure, The Rock, just because my mom was her James Bond was Sean Connery for sure. So I remember even you know she was uh she was in her sixties around. I remember she was just like we're going to see The Rock, and she was going for Sean Connery. I was going for Nick Nick Cage. It's because it's him. He's the rocket man. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I, I appreciate The Rock. I think it's a good film. It's probably not my favorite of this era. of that, tri- that is that, that trilogy, right? In a way, that's the Nick Cage second coming trilogy. That's, yeah, that's the Nick Cage action trilogy, I think, that everyone remembers. Yeah. But I honestly prefer Con Air to The Rock. 
I mean, I can't, I can't say no. The Con, Con Air is a like that's like uh, you know I don't want to be a cliche. It's like cinematic heroin, but it's like that. It's just like the, <laughs> it's just like the feel good action movie that you always want to see, you know. And it's just it's perfect. And Nick Clay, Nick Cage's performance is over, just over the top enough to not be ridiculous. Yeah, but it's also pretty ridiculous. But it's just that's a perfect summer blockbuster action movie. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I mean, you can even say his uh, his hair, right? That that was that was a big. If if the internet was around back then, it would have been a big deal because I think a lot of people talked about the con air hair. And on, this was pre this was pre Twitter. I mean, I may have been chatting about this on AIM, right? The con, know, the con air hair. You know what was even spec- as spectacular as the hair is uh, Nicolas Cage's super kicks in that movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if he has any martial arts training, but you could not tell in that movie from the kicks. What a freaking great premise that I would still, I would, I would love to go see it. Like if we, if we get like a, a showing here in Austin, I would love to go see that. Just a bunch of convicts and prisoners getting transported on a plane that's freaking great and then you had uh what's his name in it too he played the officer everybody's in that movie yeah cyrus the virus was john malkovich we were just talking about that you got danny trejo dave chappelle dave uh, chappelle that's right one of the greatest casts of all time john cusack was in this just just coming off his you know he was no longer that the the 80s guy he was in an action movie playing i just remember he wore those 90s type sandals with his suit right that was a a big part of his character but yeah i would i, I have you watched it lately yes i watch it every week <laughs> i'm not it's not a joke no i know i That's know you're shoot. i know you're you're a huge fan and i i feel like it was uh it was a it was a point in time that captured an essence that it doesn't matter if you're ever going to think that anything with it's usually if wardrobe looks dated, but the content itself feels timeless. The wardrobe doesn't look dated in this movie though. That's the thing. It's pretty smart. Um, you know, mostly everybody's in prison garbs. They're all just wearing denims. Yes. So that did help. But I mean, it's just, it is the, it, it, it just does everything. It, it takes cliches past the point of absurdity where they come around back to making sense again. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, per- it's a perfect movie when, you know, like, er- everything <laughs> Nick Cage says, and he's the most, he's, he's like the most, uh, what is it, moral dude ever. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. just wants to get home to his daughter. He only went to prison because he had to beat the fuck out of a guy for <laughs> disrespecting his wife. It wasn't his fault. Right. The government trained him to kill. <laughs> The government trained him to kill. It's what not is, his fault. What is he supposed to do with these tools? That's right. He's a government trained killer. It's not fair that they put him in jail. Yeah. I uh, No, I agree. I So here's the thing that really sticks out to me, and I don't know if this is a good thing or bad. It's the only thing part about this film. I'm not sure why it happened, but I guess for the... it's This is what's going to scream that I was a movie that was made at the time period that it was made. The song was Trisha Yearwood, How Do I Live? What about it? It's just that for that, 
because that song, I feel like that song was just like something that's going to just keep it that portion back in time. I feel like you have not been to dive bar karaoke in a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying it's a bad song. That's a staple. That that song is very much in the mindset of a lot of folks today. No, no, again, and I'm not saying it's a bad song, but what I'm saying is when you hear, say, Steven Tyler singing, you know, I don't want to close my eyes, you think of Armageddon, and it's a very... It wouldn't be the song that you would call a match, but those songs, I think those songs I wouldn't consider timeless, not saying they're bad, but it's going to remind people the time period that the song is made in, if that makes sense, that it's not going to, and, and I don't mean that as a detriment. I just remind, I was like, oh, I remember that song, but if you were just watching the movie without that song, like you said, this could be a movie that was made last year. But the song is what's going to keep it hinged to the time period it was made. Because it brings me back. I consider songs bookmarks in time. You listen to a song. It's like, oh, this is when I was in high school. Oh, this is when I got my ass kicked. Oh, this is when something good happened to me. So when you hear those songs, especially movie soundtrack songs, it could shackle it to the year that it was made. Because songs, even when songs are timeless, they will keep it locked in the time period right so i think okay this song is 1997 and maybe that's and maybe that's not a coincidence because wasn't armageddon around that same time this is a couple years after right i think 95 to like 2000 was uh peak michael bay so like the power ballad just keeps it there and again i don't mean that as an insult but i think that's what keeps it locked in time i disagree i think con air is timeless the movie i I think it i think it i think it transcends all barriers as far as like blockbuster cinema filmmaking. Cause like, what are they even, what, what come the only thing that come, like, I feel like the uh, fast and the furious series right now is, is trying to grab a lot of, a lot of Con Air oh, vibe. You know wow. What I mean? Yes. You're absolutely, that just hit me. That is probably the perfect comparison of, are we going to look back at the fast series? The way we look back at the Nick cage action trilogy. Some folks are, I, I think, but the Nick Cage action trilogy is just, I mean, when you talk about The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, we haven't even gotten to Face Off yet. No, no, no. Which is, you know, if you're, if you were, you know, if you were one of the, one of the kids at the time that was hanging out at the video store at lunch, you had already seen John Woo movies by that point. Right. And you had seen, uh, he had already crossed over to mainstream uh, U.S. films. He did The Replacement Killer. No, he didn't do Replacement Killers. What did he, he did Hard Target, which was actually Hard great. Target. Yep. Hard, Hard Target, Target, which is great, actually. But you hadn't seen him do his classic uh, sort of two-gun gangster film. Yeah. And then you get Face Off, which comes out of nowhere. And just, for a lot of people, that's like... That's like the movie Bible, you know. People swear by Face Off as, as an action movie. Well, think of is the, there a better is there a better action movie? I'm not sure. This, you you nailed it. Cinema heroin is this trilogy, and it's because again we were just talking. I mean, look that it's 2022, and a Face Off shirt made it into the Adam Project. That's how it's transcending time. And you're absolutely right. That think of this that premise. Back then, 
was a huge stretch of like, I'm literally going to take this person's face off and switch it. And you're not even going to, so it's a, it was already, if somebody pitched you to that, they're going to be like, nah, that's not going to work. That sounds crazy. What about the body? What about everything about it? But you went in and saw that movie and gave zero foxes about that premise being a stretch and the plausibility you were all in with it. Hey, what about the magnetic boots? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the magnetic boots. I probably don't. I probably have not. Re, I've rewatched this a bunch of times. Probably not as much as you have. I wonder if did John Woo come up with the script for this? I wonder who, because I, I picture, uh, you know, someone pitching this to John Woo and th- him th- thinking it's awesome. Or does is he pitching it to the studio and trying to explain to them why you know. Nick Cage and John Travolta swapping faces and magnetic boots would be a good idea for a movie. <laughs> Written by Mike Werb and Michael Collery. So I, I don't know. Uh... For a lot of folks, that was the first introduction to like the Hong Kong cinema action style. They hadn't seen it yet. Oh, no. Because it was, it was I, I, I don't know. If you were in back in the day hanging out at the video store, if you rented Hard tar, uh, Hard Boiled and I remember like, Hard the Boiled. Killer. Hard Boiled. Oh, the is Killer, insane. yes. Yeah. And so now you've got this guy, you've got the guy who did Hard Boiled making a $100 million action film with Nick Cage and Golden Guns. Oh, man. No, it was, and it was, oh, yeah, and they're going to make a cameo in his, in his film coming up in that. So here's a, here's a question. Again, Cinema Heroine, these three films. How did these three films escape a trilogy, a trilogy or a sequel? I think it was a different time, you know. Um, now, pretty much all of blockbuster Hollywood is very IP-focused. At the time, they were still willing to make an original concept. Yeah. Now you can only make an original concept on Netflix. Um, everything that's going to the theaters is an IP, a board game, a book, whatever, a breakfast cereal, yeah. and they turn it into a movie. So back then, they had an original idea. They wanted to do more, but those loose ends were not already tied up. So you've got, like, say, like, you know, you got Battinson doing the current Batman. I'll bet you anything, he's already signed up for three movies. Yeah. That's part of the deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't realize they lock we in. need to lock people in for three face offs. That's six <laughs> faces. We need, we need you for a six face deal. A six. <laughs> they should just call it that. Not a six-picture deal, six-face deal. So here, here's another serious question. You know, since I know you love, I love these stem, but I, again, I think you, you take the love a little bit deeper than I on these three films. Out of these three, which one would you like to see revisited as a requel? As a requel, zero, zero. None of them. None of them. None of them. None of them should be touched as a requel. Which one I would like to see revisited as a sequel? Con Air, one hundred percent. Okay, Con Air. So not. So you just want a straight up sequel? Absolutely. Okay. Re- no requel needed for me. Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> um, I think con, con, like there's a there's a tweet that I uh, someone put out once. I think whenever. You know, because now we've got streaming services, we've got everything, and they're taking all kinds of old IPs and redoing them, whatever. And someone put out a tweet that just said, we demand Con Air 2. And I retweet it probably, you know, every other month or so. <laughs> because I think it's important. We do demand Con Air 2. Even though I heard Nick Cage said he would never do Con He hates that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, although, like, now, 
you think, I mean, I wonder after this film coming out, it's going to be a hit. We're going to be there first day. I wonder if he would revisit it for the next age of Cage. Whatever. I don't know what studio made Con Air, but please, I think it would be a solid idea to just go ahead and pony up the cash and make Con Air to get the whole cast back. Get them all back, even though they're all huge stars now. Get Danny Trejo, Dave Chappelle, Steve Oh, yeah, Buscemi. you can get them all. Get them all back. And the bubblegum shrimp guy as well. Oh, that's right. He was Netflix. Is, uh, here's the problem. Who a lot of Netflix has the most money out of most of these studios, and you'd be getting it direct to Netflix. Would you be okay with that? I mean, if that's what I got to do, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, yeah, I understand seeing it. Netflix in the is kind enough to throw their movies in the theater for a week. That is a nice new feature. I was actually really close to going to see the Adam Project because I I do want the theatrical experience. But yeah, so that that cinema, that trilogy right there, it could be argued that that's when he started the age kind of simmered down. Like, because he came out with a one, two, three, and those movies everybody loved. Here's well, a basically, movie. he coasted on those movies for the next few years because he, he didn't have a whole lot of success after that. It, with, I mean, they were successful movies, but, you know, he coasted on that, that, uh, that heat for a while. Well, DL. I'm going to just say it here, and it's on it's on the YouTubes that I can't take it back. I fucking loved City of Angels. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It made me cry. You seen the original? No, I've not seen the original. It's a it's a remake of a movie called Wings of Desire. Oh, okay. No, oh, yeah, Wings of Desire. I did not see that. I was a huge, huge fan of that, and it, it is a movie to that I would put. There's, a, there's like a spiritual top 10 type movies that like if you want to be moved by something that goes beyond any kind of theology and i think it's a little bit more accepted right now and to me that's kind of one of them yeah no that's a good movie um i wasn't i mean dennis frown's seeing his ass but i mean if you already watched nypd blue you already were familiar with you that should track. watch wings of desire the movie that's based i on. am actually gonna um, absolutely there is that. there's like uh the i forgot who directed it but they were way ahead of the ball on a lot of things there's like you know how the premise is uh, in Wings, they're like angels and they're observing stuff, right? And they can see, you know, they're watching all the time and they basically see people's lives. Oh, okay. So it's in, in, in City of Angels, right? That's what's going on. Yeah. In, in Wings of Desire, it's the same premise. It's all the same story. But there's this whole thing they do where the guy, I guess, who would be the Nick Cage character is watching the actor who plays Columbo. Peter Falk. Peter Falk, and they actually got him in the movie to play Peter Falk, and the oh, angel, wow. the angel character, is watching him shoot Columbo, oh. and then you know watching his like Man. side conversations where he's thinking about how he's acting and stuff like that, and it just adds a level of I guess realism to it that you it never been it never been done. Before. I think that's part of the reason. I don't know why they didn't do it in the actual remake, but. That, that was like a big part that's of it. Crazy. That's pretty meta for when was that? Sixties, seventies? No, I think it was only a few years before they remade it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I got to check that out. Here's the only thing I might struggle missing. And I don't want the world to see me. And we've been kicked off YouTube. <laughs> and not for the reasons you think, but yeah, Renato got that right away. That's yeah. That that I can't listen to that song. And not think of the the scenes there because it was such a swerve that it just blew 
me away that like, oh my God, that's just like, this is, and it's such as life, right? You just like, be careful what you wish for. You might get it all. And then some you don't want. That's pretty much what happened on that. And that was Meg Ryan before she, the, the plastic surgery went a little cuckoo on her. That right? sold a lot of records, that movie. Yeah, I think so. So that was, who that was, was, who sings that song again? That is, let me pull it up here. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's one of those things that you're like, I didn't expect you to ask it, and then I didn't know what it... Nobody ever thought they'd have to go back and figure out who... Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, my God. Goo Goo Dolls. There you go. Why didn't... Yeah, Goo Goo Dolls, but... So after that, that was... And that was 98, so he was coming off. I was like, okay, we're simmering down from that. And Renato is just like, he's a little bit... That was a big hit, though. Yeah. So he's still having hits. Oh, yeah, there it is. Goo Goo Dolls was such a great punk band just before City of Angels. They shifted to punk rock. I hadn't, yeah, I guess they were, would be considered uh, punk back then, right? Uh, I don't remember anything. Well, Renato, he that. was in, uh, I believe he was like in a punk band. So I, I trust, I trust his, his judgment on this. Didn't they just, uh, what was it? What was it? I thought, wasn't, uh, no, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Oh, I thought uh, Dave Grohl, right? He just had that movie that just came out, right? That that horror flick that just came out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. The Studio 666. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That was it. So, I don't know. That just popped in my head. But let's, let's not go down the dirt road. Uh, so, after that... He had some ones that had the same type of vibe, but he was getting a little bit grittier. And that was 8mm bringing, bringing out the dead. I felt like those, we got Dark Cage. The, well, dark, this is the like, dark Age of Cage. This is like him trying to work with big directors now. Because you've got Snake Eyes, which came right after, which is Brian De Palma, which is way underrated. Also, you should watch, you should revisit that. if you. The first shot of the movie is like 40 minutes long or something like that. And then, um, what was it? Eight millimeter was actually the follow up to seven. Oh, like, like, like the guy who wrote seven eight millimeter was after that blew up. This was his next. Oh, okay, script. spiritual sequel, not an actual sequel. Not an actual sequel, spiritual but it was sequel. like the gotcha. guy. Yeah, the actual the right the dude who wrote seven. This was his next script. And then bringing out the dead was Martin Scorsese. Yeah, and what did you think of that one? I remember it being really dark i was i didn't i didn't love it you know I, I, at the time i was a little disappointed uh you know it's nick cage and martin scorsese it didn't all really come together for me um and i've revisited here and there it's it's okay i would say it's one of the lesser scorsese's okay yeah i i can i can buy that yeah because i just remember it being i just remember like not only dark not content i just remember the movie being really dark and you're just like, you really, Nick Cage is kind of known for the, the sad eyes, right? Sad eyes. I think that really, he brought that out. But 8mm, that was, uh, that's when he really started getting in, uh, that was all about the snuff, snuff filmmaking, right? Yeah. That actually had a pretty thick cast too, right? You had Joaquin Phoenix and James Gandolfini. It was a big movie. Like I said, it was the seven follow-up. Okay. The spiritual, the spiritual sequel. The spiritual sequel. All right, so then after that, this is when he's okay. Like they're the next set of films we had, 
or gone in 60 seconds. So I think he, he was going to re revisit like, okay, I'm going to get back into the action films. And I feel like I remember people digging that. I don't, what are, what are your opinions on gone in 60 seconds? It's uh passable. I don't, I, it's, I don't think it's entirely all that memorable. It's an okay heist movie, you know, but I think it's one of the lesser cage films. Cause you had uh again, another thick cast for it's that another time. Remake. I mean, you had Angelina Jolie, Giovanni Ribisi, hot 90s actor Robert Duvall, Vinnie Jones. Yeah, I mean, it, Will Patton. All right. So, I, and I remember that box art. I mean, obviously you get those on there. So I think that was him, again, leading into the star power, the star cred that he earned. He's action guy at this point. This is Nick Cage action star. And do you think that now, all of a sudden, after that, he started to get kind of burnt out? on that a little bit because then he went into shadow of the vampire christmas carol the movie oh wind talkers i do remember wind talkers that was again that was was that I think an, that was another john woo movie was that john woo wind talkers yeah, let me see yep directed by john woo what is your what are your feelings on uh oh we got mark ruffalo in that one too i don't Full think circle. i ever saw wind talkers okay I don't really remember. I mean, so now we've got a lot of Nicolas Cage sprawl going on because he's already he's a huge action star. He's way over. He's got an Oscar. So at this point, they're just throwing roles at him. Anything he wants to do, he can do. So he did uh, Gone Six Seconds, The Family Man. I don't know what's going on there. Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Oh yeah, which is I, I never saw. Um, I didn't, probably didn't see any any. I didn't see anything in this gap up until adaptation. Oh yeah, and that was yeah, that was his meta. And I think that's when he started leaning into should I be doing something else other than action? And I think here here's Well, not quite yet. I think it was still took a little while. Yeah, there's but. still another one coming up we're going to talk about, but I think here, here Renato has a good comment I want to share. So, Ethan Hawke once said that his favorite actor is Nicolas Cage because Cage still channels that type of acting that is more common in live action theater than movies. And I would agree with that. Even if you go to the the Nick Cage gif that just like jumps right out at you when it does that. He's he, a human he, gif. He is a human gif. I just feel like he had I agree, I can totally see that he has that energy that he really just like it's got to be something else like if you're just Somebody that's like in acting for fun and then you have to do something, some kind of scene with Nick Cage, you're going to be like, holy shit, you're going for a ride. You're going he's, for a he ride. He commits, and that's why he's still around. That's why he's still great. Yeah, and he never. He does not. Commit to the bit, yeah. He commits, he commits to the bit. Whatever he's doing, he's in it 100%. Whether he's doing uh, you know, a $200 million action movie or if he's doing you know, a, a bit part in a straight-to-video thing. Yeah, you get one hundred percent Nick Cage. You get all Cage, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit let in the the third age of Cage. So from adaptation, we've got more kind of like sprawl. We've got and wait good for, stuff. for just for for adaptation. Wasn't that a follow up to what we were talking about with uh, was that being John Malkovich? Like that was after adaptation. Same yeah, that guy, was right? the that was Charlie Kaufman's uh, follow up. And again, I feel like like John Malkovich is like has a very similar similar trajectory where he kind of went through these different iterations not as thick as Nick but I feel like the same type of people would be willing to do something like being John Malkovich with the unbearable weight of yeah, 100%. talent 
Why doesn't he do more? Where is where is John Malkovich anyway? I don't know. I, every year I watch his SNL skit where he's reading "Twas the Night Before Christmas" to those kids, and I laugh every freaking time. We talked about that. Pon Natal, he's coming for your toes. <laughs> That's a good sketch. Yes. So when okay, so the next one we did the oh uh, no, he, that was a producer. Matchstick Men. I do remember that. I don't remember watching it. More Nicolas Cage sprawl. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, that's his sprawl. And now he went back into action with National Treasure. Which I feel is a, it was a hit, but sort of a goofball kind of Indiana Jones uh, rip. Yeah, like I don't know if it was supposed to work as well as it did. No, I think he, he, he his performance in it puts it over. If it would have been some other, you know, whatever straightforward kind of actor in that i don't think it would have done as well because it's it's pretty cornball but they were doing a lot of that at the time right you had the mummy you had all kinds of things like that where everybody just wanted to do adventure dude but nicholas cage harvey keitel john voight i got john voight's car diana kruger sean bean sean bean i mean that's pretty christopher Plummer. i mean that's pretty that's pretty thick thick casting there right Yeah, absolutely i mean that's pretty cool so i think he started leaning into that credit now the question is and I'm curious, when does the second age of Cage end? Now so, that I'm going through this. I think the second age of Cage ends officially. Let me see. I'm not exactly sure. I, I, wanna, I, I think it's at World Trade Center. Is that when it? World Trade Center was, was his last sort of high... Um, you know, famous director, high concept, sort of like Oscar type movie, right? This is from Oscar to Oscar contender. He did Leave in Las Vegas, and now we get to we get to World Trade Center, which they made in two thousand six. Okay, and it's sort of like gunning for another Oscar there, and Oliver Stone directing and everything like that. And I think that kind of caps off the second age. You nailed it. Okay, that is right because again, the first age ended with the actual Oscar. And now we'll say the second age ended. And that's almost another decade period, 2006. He went another 10 years, and then World Trade Center. Yeah, I think he definitely went for the Oscars. In the same year that he came famous again with an audible gif of, Not the bees! Right, with the Wicker Man. Right, so then, so. so right after World Trade Center comes the Wicker Man, which was a massive fail. Yeah. Um, I just remember Not the Bees. It seems ridiculous to make a movie, to remake a movie whose entire sort of like uh, fame or notoriety is based on a twist, and everybody knows the twist by now, so why do you remake that? Yeah, I get it. Anyway, so he did, uh, what was it? He did... Oh, I forgot he Wicker was Man. In... Ghost Rider. He was Ghost Rider. Right. Back before superhero movies were a thing. Right. And you think, and yeah, now with multiverse stuff... Th- does he build up enough cred to make it into the MCU as a variant of Ghost Rider? Because the rumor is the next Ghost Rider is going to be Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. So I don't, but everybody knows Nicolas Cage as Ghost Rider. But Ben Affleck is not going to be a variant of Daredevil. So do you think that Ghost Rider is going to go down with. Uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil and Josh Brolin's uh, the Western one that he was in. Do you think it's you, do you think there's going to be no no variant? What, what I don't understand your question. What are you what are you asking? Is is this next movie coming out going to give him enough cred that you're going to want to see him as a variant uh, 
Ghost Rider. I'll ask you the question. Would you rather see Nick Cage as Ghost Rider or Norman Reedus as Ghost I Rider? I want to see Norman Reedus. Really? Yeah. I, I want to see Norman Reedus. There's some, because I don't feel like they let Nicolas Cage be full on Nicolas Cage. I want, if you're giving me the Nicolas Cage from back in the, well, from Nicolas Cage, some of the mov- later movies were when you can tell it was full on Cage. I feel like, I feel like he was shackled by chains, ironically, as his Ghost Rider. Not in part two. Part two is he's as crazy as he wants to be. Oh, really? I don't did think Did you not I, see the sequel? I, I did not see it. Yeah, he's completely off leash in that movie. Really? I did not see that. Highly recommend from the directors of Crank and Crank 2. Oh, wow. What? Oh, yeah, Spirit of Vengeance 2011. I didn't. So that, that pretty much was. Uh, he did get his Hellboy type sequel there, basically, where a lot of people think the second one was better than the first one and they went all out. Uh, Jonah Hex is the one I was thinking. I don't know why I was, couldn't, my, I was blanking on jo- Josh Brolin. Uh, that was his first foray into comics. But I would like to see him as a variant. But if you're asking me to see the full on, I think Norman Reedus has really earned, I think he's earned a shot at that role for sure. I don't know if I'd like, again, but it would be cool to see it as a variant. But then again, would you want to see a Ben Affleck as Daredevil again? I mean, that's, I guess we can do a whole other show on that. I think it's a tough call for Ghost Rider because you're, you're, you're essentially a CGI flaming skull. So where does the, I don't know that who's necessarily in that role is as important as whether or not you can act with a CGI yeah, flaming you skull. Need, I think it's about the bone structure where you can almost look like you um, – Kind of like Willem Dafoe. Like, eh, you don't need to put on that Green Goblin mask. We'll make you look like a goblin without putting on a mask. Just smile. Because he just had that. Which, again, I'm sorry we take us down these dirt roads. I read that anytime he went Green Goblin, they put the gap back in his teeth. And when he, was, when he wasn't, when he was Osborne, he didn't have the gap. I guess that was I didn't a, know that one. Yeah, that was that was new to me. I tell you, what, as far as Ghost Rider goes, though, Nick Cage would be my first choice. Uh, Norman Reedus, whatever second choice for me would be actually uh, go ahead and bring back Gabriel Luna, Austin's own Gabriel Luna, and make him Ghost Rider again. I think he deserved a shot. I know Terminator when, Salvation didn't do all that well, but oh, um, I thought you were talking because was he was he a Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield? I know he they was have. Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield, and he's uh, he's local. He's from here. Okay. Yeah, so I guess they do have a couple of variants that they could work from on there. So I don't know. We're going to find out here pretty quick on who on some of the castings with uh, with Doctor Strange coming up. I think that's when they're going to really start drawing a line in the sand. Anyway, back on Cage. Uh, I didn't. I forgot he was in Werewolf Women of the SS. In the he was in the Grindhouse trailer as Fu Manchu. Yep. Yep. So that's. That's a nice nod to Austin, which he was just in town for the premiere of this film, and we didn't even realize he was going to be... I, we should have realized he was going to be here. Well, somebody realized it. Did you see the person who put up like a thousand flyers and asked Nick Cage to call him? Oh, no, I didn't. Someone put up like a thousand flyers all over the place that said, Nick Cage, I'm your biggest fan. Please call me at this number. Really? And he, and he called him, yeah. <laughs> what, Renato, was that Take you? that, social media. <laughs> just went old school. He went like 80s Japanese wrestling event at the Egg Dome. Just papered the town. Just put it everywhere. I uh, don't think Nick Cage is big into making sequels. I'd like to see him as either a villain or just some sort of one-and-done movie hero. Mephisto would be... Oh, my. Can you imagine if they made him Mephisto? 
Mephisto has become infamous for never even getting one single frame on any show or movie, and I think people are frothing from Mephisto. I think the thing that would keep Nick Cage from being in the MCU is that you cannot control him. Yeah. You cannot tell him how to act. You can't tell him how to be how to be this MCU character from the comic book. Oh, that's not like the comic book. Was I'm Nick Cage. I'm doing it the way Nick Cage does yeah, it. Yeah, I'm Nick Cage. I'm not doing well. it the way Marvel does it. Oh, before we jump into the third age of Cage, let's just go to the side tour because I don't think this falls into any age of Cage. Tim Burton's Superman with Nicolas Cage as Superman. Right. Where does that fall into the age? Because I feel like people know that, and all you saw was him trying on a suit, and that was literally all you got. I think that was supposed to be in that second age of... Like, right... That was after his action uprising, right? That was... I want to say that was the late 90s, like 99 or something like that. Okay. So I think that was when he was at his peak, he got cast as Superman. Release the Burton cut? Do we want to see Keaton as Batman and Nicolas Cage as Superman? And then he, what, would, would Winona Ryder be Wonder Woman? If we're talking about a, a release the Burton cut of the DC, that would be interesting. I know we keep going down these dirt roads. All right, let's get into we're in a we're in age three. He didn't get the he did not get the World Trade Center Oscar. We went through Wicker Man, Ghost Rider. Uh, we had a sequel to National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite titles for a movie I don't think I've seen, Bangkok Dangerous. I never saw the Nicolas Cage version, but that's a remake of like a film from Thailand. Okay. A Thai action movie. Uh, I I love the title. So I, I feel like now he's just like trying anything that he can. So he was in uh, the next one that I remember was I remember Bad Lieutenant, Port Port of Call, New Orleans. You know, my brother, R.I.P., you know, writing his script of Confessions of an NYPD Gangster based on his true life story. I remember him really digging into Bad Lieutenant. As- here's, a, here's a piece of trivia. His name in that movie... In uh, Porto, New Orleans, that's Terrence McDonough. Yep, that's the name of the character. Now his name in Raising Arizona was H.I. McDonough. Really? So is there a connection there? Is that is that a, a variant or a relation? <laughs> a very. I would like that. To, I would like Bad Lieutenant to be a sequel of Raising Arizona, basically Raising New Orleans. I would. I think that would be cool. What else do we have? Okay, so then he did Astro Boy. He was the voice. I do remember that. Here's another one. He started. He stuck with the comic book fair uh, with Kickass. He actually had a really. That was a really good role. But I think that's when a lot of people were not fully ready for uh, that style of comic. But you know the Mark Millar. You know because that was. Like the deconstruction of like comic book heroes. Yeah, I don't stuff. think they were ready, but I mean that movie, I mean with him as the dad, I you know, it was great. I mean, and then you had that I mean that was Chloe Grace Moretz, you know, welcome to the party pal. I mean, people really dug her, but I mean a lot of that had to do with the chemistry that she had with her film dad Nick Cage. Well, I think the thing that's really cool about him is uh, he's sort of he's playing sort of a, a Batman spoof in that movie. Yeah, but you notice right, he's doing the Adam West voice the whole movie. Oh yeah, he is. He's doing Adam West as Batman as this knockoff Batman, which th- th- that's why Nick Cage is great. Like yeah. he just comes up with this stuff. 
that's fantastic. I did not know that. But now that you think, because I hear, I hear his voice in my head. Wow, that's really good. Good call. Uh, we had two very similar movies after this, right? With The Sorcerer's Apprentice and the very, didn't we see this movie, but we didn't, Season of the Witch. Which I believe is just made up of leftover footage of The Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like they were the basically the same film. Uh, next up, I was very familiar with this movie because it, uh, it was shot right our our neighboring state, and I remember, you know, Randy lives right on the border. Was Drive Angry, and that was uh, filmed right there in uh, Shreveport. Was Randy in that one? Uh, I don't remember if he had a role in it or not, but I remember pretty much everyone that was in our circle at the time. At the was time, to get in that. that that was actually in a my small actors circle. Um, one of our friends actually got into that one. And she had a really big role. Her name was Jamie Tear, and she had done a few shorts, YouTube shorts, with us. And she landed that role in um, in Drive Angry. She was the uh, the babysitter. Oh, okay. She's in that's the whole awesome. movie, and she never gets the line, but she was in pretty much the whole movie. I, that's awesome. I had no idea. I, I remember liking the film too. I mean, it, I remember. It I a, dug it. I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah, here was a it was a really good film. Uh, here's a question. So we're saying that this is the third age of Cage, like starting at that time period. But man, there's a lot of movies between 2006 to now. Would you consider that? So we're about to get into the fourth age of cage and the third age of cage was somewhat sedated and letting him do whatever he wants. Well, I mean the, the third age of cage, I think had a, is the longest and um, we're, we're hitting the end of it now. It's ending like this month. Okay. Um, but like, if you notice his, his film trajectory here in this third age, it sort of, it goes uh, pretty downward. Okay. Yeah, it's all so over the place. Somewhere too. in here, as you're looking at this timeline, you can put in uh, Nick Cage forgot to pay his taxes. And yeah, like, I think that was 2013 with, so, the, with the Crudes. So now you've got all these movies. You've got a lot of straight-to-video stuff yeah. that he's making, right? And when you're when you're Nick Cage or, or Bruce Willis or whoever, and you're doing straight to video, you're getting paid a million dollars a day. Mm-hmm. That's that's your role. But you know what? I mean, you need you need to pay your taxes. So you got to do what you act, do. man. Booker's book, actors act. I mean, he's getting it. He's GSD. He had some 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 really great movies in there, just sort of like tucked in, like Joe. Have you ever seen Joe? No. no Joe is fantastic. You should watch it. It's another Austin movie done here locally. Just awesome. Um, but a lot of it is is just straight to video fare. We got Army of One, Arsenal, Vengeance, a love story, Inconceivable, The Human Burrow, like all kinds of just like stuff. But like I think from this straight to video fare, he kept on doing little indies in between, and that's sort of what kept him relevant, right? He had Joe, he had Mom and Dad, which is really good, um, and then I think. This took us all the way to Mandy, and I think right. Mandy begins the the new age of Cage. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I definitely see that as a story. Yeah, because look, he he made the the Crudes. He put the Crudes in there, and the Crudes basically afforded him to do just have fun. Let him be Nick Cage, and I think you're right. All those movies you just named, uh, because when you start getting into Mandy, that's when I feel like he started sneaking back into the zeitgeist of people were cool. It's like, oh, Nick Cage, he's just doing these quirky movies. And, you know, Mandy's Mandy was bonkers. Absolutely. You know, but I feel like Mandy, in a way, put Shudder back on. I mean, 
Was that Shudder's biggest movie? Like, that really put them on the map. That was one of their big gets at the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was huge. So I having that in there. And then, his obviously, ironically, Teen Titans Go, you know, he played Superman. He was into the Spider-Verse. He was, was he? Oh, no, he was Spider-Man Noir. So, I mean, he was getting these voice roles that are basically affording him to do the fun stiff he wants. And we'll we'll go through some of these. Running with the Devil, Kill Chain, Primal, Jiu-Jitsu. These are all straight-to-video movies. Yes. Right? These are not like, yeah, he's still doing the straight-to-video stuff here. So here's way. the two that really stick out to me. And I, and I haven't watched it yet, and I'm saving it for the right moment, but I want you to tell the story you told me about it. Willie's Wonderland on Hulu. Tell them, tell the viewers the story that you told me about booking Nick Cage for Willie's Wonderland. Well, he doesn't have a single line in that movie. <laughs> right? And it's that was... a completely silent performance. <laughs> and I don't know if this was just part of his contract or maybe they couldn't they couldn't do Nick Cage's fee, which I'm sure is a million dollars a day. But uh, he does the whole film without doing a single line. And it still works. I got. I I cannot wait. To, I I've been saving it. I have not watched it yet. But I love the idea. It's just like here's here's my fee. Oh, we can't afford that. All right, I'll give you this fee, but I'm not saying a word. I'm not doing lines. <laughs> you should watch Prisoners of the Ghostland if that's still on Shutter. That's a great one. Oh, I do remember that one on there. I have not watched that one yet either. And his title, his uh, character's name is just Hero in that. Yeah, that's right. All right, that's cool. It's like now, Escape from New York in a post-apocalyptic wasteland with samurais. Oh, my God. That sounds great. So do we have another trilogy embedded here? Do we say that you put Prisoners of the Ghostland, Willy's Wonderland, and the movie we went and saw together, Pig? Um, I mean, I don't know that those necessarily... That Pig might not be. I think Pig is what's bringing him back into the mainstream because that was... Way different than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I just rewatched it on Hulu the other day. Um, it's a really great, really great film. Really? Um, but it just, it sort of brought him back down to the serious role type stuff. You he had a I mean? very, I remember seeing it. And what, what caught me during the film is you were waiting for Nick. And, you know, this is coming off seeing the trailer for Willie's Wonderland, seeing him, you know, in Mandy. You're like, oh, man. Nick Cage is going to be Nick Cage any second. And it was felt like a weird simmering of like any second he's going to burst out and become Nick Cage. And he never does. And I thought it was just like, and I thought that was really interesting that his real life, who he is as an actor and what you know, leaked into the script and added this layer of tension that would not have been there if any other actor did that. No, because you're waiting for Nick Cage to do Nick Cage. <laughs> so I was just like that really stuck with me that it was just like he was just simmering and you're waiting for it to happen and it and it never happens and that didn't make the film bad but it's just like you felt a little bit swerved but not in a bad way you're like oh okay I didn't know you were going for an Oscar again sorry now when you watch it again and you're not you realize there's not going to be some point where he goes crazy and then um spoiler all right Nick Cage beats the villain with food. Yeah. He beats him. He destroys him by cooking him a meal. Yeah. And it was so, and it was so sedate. And you were waiting. All right. He's going to stick a fork in his eye. All right. He's going to jam this down his throat. 
And it never happens, especially because it was an emotional performance because he's just like, I just want my pig. <laughs> and it just never happened. So again, it's a great film if you're, if you're ready for, I would, would have called it Oscar fair. So that brings us to today. Now we're entering we the fourth are. age of Nick Cage. The fourth age. Yeah, so there's four ages here with two films that, for the second one, all I saw was a picture, and I'm already so ready to see it. But the first one, obviously, we talked about it, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where we're going to see the being John Malkovich moment for Nick Cage, where Nick Cage is going to get to be Nick Cage. And he's deconstructing himself. Yeah. And it's great. And it just, the title, everything about it, the casting, it just works so well. So this is coming out in uh, next week? No, next month. Uh, but yeah, we got Pedro Pascal, Neil Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish. I mean, we got great casting here that I think are going to really play off Nick Cage, Nick Cage will. And then the second one, we posted a picture. Or did we post? No, I did not post that picture yet. There it is. Renfield, but he's going to be playing Dracula. I didn't, I didn't know I needed Nick Cage as Dracula until I saw this picture. I did not know Who I needed Who else it. would you cast as Dracula? That seems like perfect casting. No, I do. Yeah, again, it was just like, again, it was like, wasn't he always Dracula? I mean, because, I don't know, you, you jump around, we, you know, before you even get into sparkling vampires, you know, we had Fright Night, you know, vampires, and then we had Lost Boy, then we had Christopher Lee, you know, grew up with uh, George Hamilton. This is almost strikes at me as the George Hamilton Dracula, right? Love at first bite, but a little bit. But then again, that's a deep cut. Yeah, I just, the kids haven't seen that one. Oh man, they need to see this. Here's a double feature: Love at First Bite and Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, there's a there was a great. I remember the I in Love at First Bite. I don't drink wine and I don't smoke shit. That one always stuck with me. And then. When he was talking about one, so, two, three bits of peso, all for Zorro, stand up and say so, something along those lines, and Zorro the Gay Blade. But yeah, that could be a that could be a double feature for sure. But what I like about this movie is we're getting Nick Cage as Dracula, but I've always been, you know, what made me think of Love at First Bite was George Ham- uh, Hamilton saying, Renfield! Like, this is going to be about... Renfield, not necessarily about Dracula. And it's going to be Nick, Nicholas Holt. Uh, you might know him from the X-Men. Uh, he played Beast, the Beast, right? Oh, he was also in um, Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, he was. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he was Hank, Hank McCoy uh, in Matthew Vaughn's X-Men. And he, I feel like he was just in another movie recently that we were... Oh, he was. I saw him in uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. I do remember him in that as well. So he's going to be playing Renfield. And I, I don't know. I always like, I remember Renfield like eating cockroaches and just like doing the bidding. We had that version of Renfield in the original Fright Night, you know, with the, the housemate that was living with him that was basically luring all the people. That guy, I don't remember his name, but he always kind of freaked me out. That was his version of Renfield. So I'm, I'm curious where they're going to go with this. And they got Aquafina, so they got the good luck charm. We're going to see anything that has uh, Aquafina in it. So I don't, I don't know how much you've heard about this this film. Don't I mean I don't think a lot's been leaked yet or whatever. But this is the first thing we're seeing is the Nick Cage as oh. the uh, 
as the dude. And I didn't know Dracula. it was based on a pitch by Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman. That's another. I did not know that. So I wonder if this is going to be. Oh, it is a dark fantasy horror comedy. Would you consider Fright Night a comedy? Fright Night? No. But just you just remember at the time where just like you got laughs when you weren't expecting it, right? Oh, you're so cool, Brewster. Like, I don't know if you were supposed to get those laughs with Evil Ed, but I don't, yeah, with uh, Roddy McDowell and stuff. But I don't, I just remember it being, I guess, not a straight up comedy, but I I remember it feeling like lighter fare. Well, everybody was doing Spielberg in the 80s. Every movie was like a, every, everything that was like a genre picture was a, Spielberg impression for a while, you know. Oh man! So you had to have you had to have the sort of the the perspective from younger characters or kids or something like that, and you had to have some some light comedy thrown into whatever you were doing, whether it was horror or sci-fi or whatever. Yeah, like when even awkward, like I might die, but I'm gonna just get this one-liner in before I die. Exactly. So we did see a little bit of that, but that. That's that pretty much we we got a lot in there for that four ages of cage. I'm excited for the fourth age of cage. It might be time for uh, a commercial break though. I might have to uh, we might have to get our faculties because that was that was a good age of cage retrospective. Yeah. 